place. Let's continue to place and blessed be your name.
God, for making a way for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't God good? He is. Oh, yes, Lord. We just love you, Father, for all you've done for us, God. For the blood that you shed on that cross for me, God. Thank you, Lord.
Jesus. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears us say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful that he is the one that can satisfy every thirst. And Lord, all across this room, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, we may all have parts of our lives where we just long for you to work, long for you to move. God, I pray that you would do those things today in incredible ways, that you would satisfy us with the, with the uh, things that only you can do. Lord, I pray your blessing over your people as we fix our eyes on you and think about you today. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you this morning as you're seated. As the ushers prepare, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering in Proverbs chapter 11, <clears throat> pardon me, verse 25. It says, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, we're in summertime, and uh, how many of appreciate when you're hot and you step into some place that has some killer air conditioning in it? How many are like, ah. Now, I know that you're sick individuals out there that you, you're in the heat and you're just like, I just want to stay here. Like, I get that you exist. Or maybe when you're really hot and you get that drink and you're like, oh my gosh, it just, it's just amazing. And it's, it's interesting that generosity is actually a way to refresh others. And so when you're generous, when I'm generous, we're actually refreshing other people. Uh, it's more than water, which will be temporary, but it's something that's powerful and lasting. And so as we give today, let's remember that. Just in your life in general, when you're generous... God uses that to refresh, and we all know what that feels like, to refresh other people. Lord, thank you for the, the blessing of generosity. Lord, thank you that you're the one that provides the ability to be able to uh, gain resources so that we can be generous. Bless your people today. Again, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, as they, as they learn that principle in life, that generosity does so much, one of them being refreshment. Lord, refresh this world today because of the generosity in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, if you have your bulletin today, you've got a couple of announcements to make. Women's Conference coming up November 11th and 12th, but a date is coming soon, so that's, uh, I believe, July 24th is that date. But please see Jeannie Vivakis, Sherry Lipscomb for more details. Uh, make sure you don't, don't delay on that one. And uh, today is a, uh, a day where kids camp Deposit is due, $50. I've said it before, uh, camp is, is unique. It's a powerful event in the life of a child, and so if you have a child, a grandchild that you'd like to see go to camp, please take advantage of that. That deposit of $50, again, is due today. And then uh, tying into that, we've got VBS coming like well, right on the heels of it. It starts a week from this Monday, the 27th, so that's going to be going on. Make sure you... Uh, are aware of that. If you haven't registered online, make sure you do that. And uh, what a great opportunity to bring Jesus to elementary age kids this summer. Pray for our students. Uh, we're leaving tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be meeting here at the church at one to take off for a week of youth camp. And so uh, how many have been to camp before? Youth camp before. If you're an adult now, I mean, you've been to camp. A bunch of you. And uh, as I said before, I'm just saying, I met my wife at camp. I got called to ministry at camp. I'm just saying, I don't know what that means, but that's how it happened in my life. Camp is in a, a powerful event. And uh, so be praying for us this week. And lastly, almost lastly, Joy Group, the picnic is coming up June 25th. And uh, they're, they're really aggressive this year on this picnic. I went back into my office. Somebody broke in my office and put a flyer on my desk. I'm just saying that's, that's the kind of stuff that they're up to. They, this is going to be a good day. And so June 25th, make sure you check that out. And then lastly, we have a video we're going to play. We've got um, a new video series, um, a, a new Bible study series starting this Wednesday night. And uh, Pastor Brandon is going to be leading that at 7 and the, the rumor is if it's 90 or above, there's ice cream on Wednesday for the adults in that study. So I don't know if that's going to continue, but uh, it's supposed to be a warm week. I think we're going to be on the, on the bubble on that. And, uh, but anyways, that's, uh, the title of that is Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Let's check out the video this morning. This nine-word title, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, that message came to me at a very difficult time time in my life and 
changed the narrative, changed my focus. God has prepared this table before me in the presence of my enemies, but I have responsibility for that table. And through Christ, through His grace, through His power, I have the ability to manage whose voices are at that table. You and I were created by God and we were created for God. What that means is every one of us was created innately to be led and to be led by the God who made us. So if we choose not to let God lead us, it doesn't mean that we're not gonna be led. It just means that we're gonna let something else have the influence, the leadership, the determining voice in our lives. And so I know the message has power because I've experienced that power. And I'm honored to be able to step into your world and to maybe be a voice for God into your story that that same power can set you free. Amen. It's going to be a great series. Hope you'll be with us. Um, Listen, at this time, we want to uh, turn our focus to recognizing a new man of the year. And just before we do that, a couple things. One is happy Father's Day to all of our dads here today. Uh, Yeah, happy Father's Day. And as we've done for a few years now, um, we have a gift, a, a gift as you exit this morning. Maybe we should give those out on the way in. They're meat sticks. I mean, yeah, you'd all be munching on them while I'm preaching. I don't, you know, let's do something special for Father's Day some year. And, uh, but anyways, be sure to get your stop at the information desk on your way out, guys, on your way out today, and, and you'll be served. Okay, we've got some new flavors this year, change things around a little bit, and hope you enjoy those once a year treat, right? You can, actually, they're not that bad. I don't know how much, I don't know how much sodium is in them. I don't know how much fat is in them, but they're only 70 calories each. And so uh, whatever you leave behind, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Hans, and I will be eating those all year. Anyways, we, we want to prepare for our man of the year, and I, I'm looking for where he normally sits, and we may be doing this in absentia today, but uh, I began this tradition on my first Father's Day here as your pastor, and this year we are going to recognize our 23rd man of the year, and as you know, each year we select a man based upon his unique contributions to this church in serving God and serving God's people. These are godly, faithful men, active in the church. And uh, I would say usually very quietly so. They're usually not very prominent, and that is the case this year as well. But before I go any further, I want to read to you a list of the past recipients, and I believe six of these that have been honored in the past are now in heaven with their Lord and Savior. Going back to 1999, The very first was Ray Ed Lessig. In the year 2000, Tom Carnell. In 2001, Jim Leslie. In 2002, Charlie Allen. 2003, Dwight Walters. 2004 was Pete Mullins. 2005 was Ed Powell. 2006 was Artis Williams. I just got a text from him about two minutes ago as... Announcements for being given. Artists said, Happy Father's Day. And I'm going to pass that along to all of you as well. 2007 was Richard Taylor. 2008, Steve Steffel. 2009, Ralph Thomas. 2010, Robert Boyer. 2011, Terry Williams. 2012, Jim Rowan. 2013, Felix Battle. 2014, Gary Coleman. 2015, Frank Broom. 
2016 was Doug Ravel. 2017 was Rusty Schuler. 2018 was Chuck Parsons. 2019 was Rotimi Ojo. In 2020, no one was named because of a pandemic. There were no worthy men. No, <laughs> we just, it just wasn't normal. You remember how they had to sneak in here for one hour and run out because the governor said so. Um, 2021 was Aaron Vafakis. And now finally, I want to bring our focus to this year's man of the year. This man is a committed husband. In fact, that's probably why he is not here today, uh, unless I'm missing him. Um, hopefully I am. Uh, but his wife has had health struggles for a number of years, and he is so good at helping her and serving her and, and just loving her. And uh, very involved in ministry in our church, especially concerning men's breakfast. Um, I mean, all, again, all behind the scenes. And so our man of the year for 2022 is, drumroll, well, I was going to ask Matt Ertinsky to stay up there. Um, Frank Broom, where are you? Do we have a Frank Broom here? There we go. Congratulations, Frank, but you're not the man of the year. He is our men's coordinator. And faked, yeah, didn't I? Um, but anyways, Frank is going to announce our man of the year. I'm going to be your mic stand, I guess. No, That's okay. Here. I got you. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of our men out there. Uh, we trust that you're doing well, that your wives are taking care of you, and uh, God is very good. Uh, there are always some men who are up front and center by virtue of their position and their giftings and talents. Pastor here is a good example of that. And then there are others who are often in the background working quietly or seldom seen, and as a matter of fact, they, they don't want to be seen. Hmm. And this is not a referendum on you, Pastor. Okay? No, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but serving nevertheless in whatever area they're called to. Our chosen man of the year is one of these guys. When there's a call to work for a work day, <clears throat> our man of the year is one of the first who was here with his tools and one of the last to leave. And we thank God so much for him. Sometimes this individual is so inconspicuous, you would never recognize him, as Pastor was saying earlier. Yet he is steadily, willingly, faithfully, consistently, and sacrificially given of himself, of his time, and of his energy to serve Christ by serving the church. His long commitment to praise and to our men's ministries is unquestionable. When some of our chief chefs can't make it for different reasons, including illness, he not only steps in, but he steps up. And he shoulders the responsibility and he makes it happen. Don't get me wrong. We miss those guys when they're not here. Ralph and Felix and those guys. But with our man of the year taking the leading role, it allows the men's sessions to run flawlessly. In recent times, when his wife, as Pastor was saying earlier, got down with some medical challenges, he stood by her side and is still by her side today. This is what real men do. 
They stand by their families no matter what. For better or for worse, this is what we teach here. And I would like to believe that this is what our men are all about. For better or for worse in sickness and in health. Hmm. And as Pastor was saying earlier, he's not here today. And I would bet that that's the real reason why he's not here in support of his wife. And we thank God for, for such men who are willing to stand up in spite of the circumstances. I recall one Saturday morning, he came in to cook breakfast, and he said he couldn't stay for the rest of the, the, rest of the season session. He had to go home and take care of his wife. So he was like juggling balls. He's coming here to cook to make sure that our men are taken care of, but then he's also heading back home. And we sit down, we eat, and we drink. We have no idea what is going on in his life, but he steps up, and he's here. And these are some of the things that we see and we recognize, and we give God honor and glory for it. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that through this ministry or men's ministry, yeah, prayers, that we're making a difference in the lives of others, especially our men. And our man of the year is John Fonta, but unfortunately he's not here today. But we're going to, let's give him a round of applause. Are you done? Wow. Yeah, so John, as you're watching this at home later today or tomorrow, uh, congratulations on being our man of the year. And we looked right over there for where you should be. And I was just waiting for him to pop over here for some reason. That would, you know. But uh, yeah, Frank was mentioning about John. I forgot about him. And he is. He's always one of the first ones here on the men's work days, uh, meaning working on our grounds outside. But the thing that I appreciate most about John is all the meats that he brings, besides the meats that our guys cook, but all the meats that he brings that are smoked. Smoked pork belly, smoked, smoked kibasa. I mean, if you can smoke it, he does and brings it. Boy, it just adds so much. It's such a great time. But it's, it's these men that are behind the scenes that do so much and never get, never get noticed. And so that's one of the reasons we do Man of the Year. So again, congratulations to John. And um, anyways, let's move along in today's service. doesn't fight crime or wear a cape he doesn't read minds or levitate but every time my world needs saving he's my superman some folks don't believe in heroes cause they haven't met my dad his workshop in rock and roll he's got a hot rod and a heart of gold and you could say he's a man of few words 
But he talks a lot with him And even though I'm a little taller I still look up to him He built me a house in the arms of a tree He taught me to drive and to fight and to dream When he looks in my eyes I hope he can see that my dad's a hero Father's Day to all of our heroes. And that's the way it ought to be. Amen. Well, you know, it's been about a month since we honored the ladies on Mother's Day and, and remembering what I had shared and then contemplating what I might share with the men today. I couldn't help but realize once again just how different we are from one another. And of course, I've talked about that through the marriage series, which next week is we'll be wrapping that up. And uh, men and women are just so very different. And I know that in years past, I've elaborated upon those differences and, and sometimes in, in, in a lot of detail, and we'll cover some of those in a few moments. But of course, we need to just consider the biological and physiological differences that are quite obvious. We have different bodies. I mean, just look around. Men and women are different. And yet, you know, you go below that and you'll, <clears throat> you can't help but notice that the inner being of a woman and the inner heart of a man were also created with a certain amount of diversity. Amen? Male and female natures are quite different to the very core of who we are. And God designed us this way. That's the beauty of it all. He designed us this way. The Bible tells us that. And so I want us to consider just for today some of the differences. 
I want us to explore some of the uniqueness of gender. Again, the external and biological differences, those are obvious. The internal differences, neurological differences. What do I mean by that? You know, basically I'm talking about our brains. Remember Mark Gungor a few weeks ago talking about the men's brain? The box of nothing. And the woman, it's all, you know, I mean, that's basically it. Men and women think differently. And there is a physiological explanation for this. We're built differently inside and out. For example, when a woman goes to her closet and she says, I don't have anything to wear. You know what she really means, right? She means I don't have anything new to wear. When a man goes to his closet and says, I don't have anything to wear. What he really means, I don't have anything clean to wear. We're different. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. To quote Dr. John Gray, that was a very popular pop psychology book written probably 20 years ago. And how many of you know that a man's brain is 10% larger than a woman's brain? Do you know that? Come on, guys. <laughs> you know, we should be, we should be hoo over that one. Our brains are bigger. But see, I've already, I've already shared this with you before, so some of you probably remember a woman's brain is 11, has 11% more neurons. Ours might be bigger. Hers is more full. <laughs> Things are packed in there a little tighter. And you know, tests, tests really do show that men are better at quantitative and analytical math type exercises. That's based on real tests, not me telling you that. Men are more often found in occupations such as architects and engineers. However, women are better at verbal tasks and communication. I think we understand that. But again, they've done testing on this and found it to be true. They're wonderful in the field of journalism and writing. Much, they're much better. To, they, they can, you know, they, they're more articulate. <laughs> Ever been in an argument with your wife? Guys, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. I mean, most times. Because she has a comeback for everything and in a split second. I mean, you're still on point number one of the discussion. You know, the discussion. Code word for argument. She's already prepped and she's heading for point number 20. <laughs> Guys, it's like we have a Smith & Wesson revolver. She has an AK-47. We fire one shot at a time. We have to reload after six. And she's just unlimited. I mean, verbally, you do not stand a chance. And we just know this to be true. I heard one husband mention to me that his wife can speak 140 words per minute with gusts up to 180. <laughs> we are different. We are uniquely different. So don't ever buy into the unisex philosophy where all are one size, one, all the same, one size fits all. That men can do what men, women can do and women can do what men can do. You know, that is complete foolishness. There hasn't been a man yet who has gone through labor and given birth. Really? I mean, that's just one example. But instead, believe this. We can still be equal, but different. We can still be equal, but different. Doesn't mean we're the same. And for those of you old enough, you remember, how, how many remember the 60s? And they say, if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. Remember that phrase? 
But remember the whole unisex thing in the 60s? I mean, up until the 60s, my father took me to a barber. And these are all Italian men that cut hair for a living. It was all about men. You didn't see any women. And all of a sudden, I get into junior high and high school, and there's all these unisex places, and the barbers are disappearing. And it's like weird. I'm sitting in a chair, and there's a woman next to me. Men and women were declared the same. We were exactly the same. So let's start with haircuts. And today, that's now being replaced with a third gender option. Male, female, and non-binary. And you know what? It's all just a it's total confusion. It's total confusion. And it's rebellion against God's word. It's rebellion against God's standards. I mean, God said this. Listen, to this. this is what God said in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the epistle of Romans. He said, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. That's where our culture is today. And it's done that periodically to different depths of intensity. And so, folks, this, this has just been going on for millennia. It's continuing today. Nothing's really changed. All they're doing is wrapping it in a new or different terminology. To be clear, according to God, not according to Michael Petrucci, not according to the New York Times, not according to any source, but God, there are only two genders. There are only two sexes. There should be a million amens. I'm telling you. Really, you need to affirm that. There are two different genders. There's two different sexes. And as I said, they are different. And that's important because regardless of our gender, our ultimate fulfillment as individuals is found in knowing how God has created us. Okay? You have to know how he's created you. And then finding that niche of fulfillment by doing the prescribed will of God. And for a woman, it is one thing. For a man, it's another. And I have to admit to you, there are many times, and I've said this before, I wish my wife was just like me, but then I think about it and realize if she was just like me, one of us wouldn't be necessary. And so in preparation for today's message, I realized and I remembered that there is sometimes a tendency for pastors on days like this, preachers, writers, we want to make men behave like women. And one of the ways that they do this is by making an unfair comparison between male and female roles. I mean, I think you, you, you know this. Most Christian speakers and pastors, we tend to overstate the responsibility of men while understating the role of female responsibilities. Have you ever noticed this? How, have you ever noticed how preachers will extol the virtues of the woman in their churches on Mother's Day? But then a month later, we turn around and we berate the men on Father's Day. On Mother's Day, it's dear old mom. And then on Father's Day, it's hey, fella, you know, let's get your house in order. It's time to buck up. Either shape up or ship out. Now, we don't do that here at Praise. But I've heard plenty of messages over the years that went in that direction. Anyways, I'm determined, I determined many years ago to stop going down that trail and to stay on track with acknowledging that both sexes, listen to me, both sexes have strengths and weaknesses. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Women have weaknesses. Men have weaknesses. Women have strengths. Men have strengths. And here's what I found. 
women seem to be more naturally social, much more than their husbands, much more than men. And that's not the irony. That's the, that's the reality. The irony is found in that although women seem to be more easily social, their real strength is found in their ability to become and to achieve individually. I want you to think about this. Again, a woman is more easily drawn to social things than a man. But she excels when she functions alone. That almost it sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? She's easily drawn socially and into social things, events, and, but she truly functions best independently. On the flip side, men seem to struggle in social settings. I mean, it seems more difficult for them to sit around with other men and do nothing. They seem to want to do things alone, independently. And yet their strength actually is found when they function together as a team. Just the opposite of women. Now, just last year, Saturday Night Live had a funny skit that used, well, it kind of explained this concept. And it used the concept of a dog park where women could bring their men to engage with other men. And of course, it was called Man Park. And I want to share this with you. It's harder being a man. Very interesting to me. And, and I hope you agree with me that women just naturally have this ability to come together socially. Amen? It's true. And, and yet if we look at that one, pass, one passage of Scripture, one chapter summary of a woman's strength, and we're going to read it in a moment, every verse in that chapter states that she is at her best when she functions alone, when she functions independently. She seems to be, by nature, she seems to be more social, yet her strength is found in her independence. And I want us to read a little bit of Proverbs 31. I think this is probably the third time we've looked at this in the last couple of months. Um, but this is Proverbs 31, a wife of a noble character. You, you know what, what it's about. Verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find. She is far more precious than rubies. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he lacks nothing of value. She brings him good and not harm all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She rises while it is still night to provide food for her household and portions for her maidservants. She appraises a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and shows that her arms are strong. She sees that her gain is good and her lamp is not extinguished at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor, reaches out her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for they're all clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gate where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the days to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband praises her as well. Many daughters have done noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her at the gates. 
And I want you to think about what we just read. Again, we, we probably looked at this Mother's Day and maybe part of our marriage series. But today in a different setting, we're talking about men. We're talking about Father's Day. But I want us to think about what we just looked at. Because every activity, every single verse that we read in Proverbs 31, every activity was a solo effort. I don't know if you caught that, but it was a solo effort. Never did it mention her being with another group of women and going to look at land or another group of women and having a, a tea clutch. It, it's, it's nothing like that. Everything that she is praised for in that passage is attributed to her alone as she acts alone. Her strength and virtue is found as she acts independently. And I've always wished that there was a single chapter just like this one for men. That there be one passage of scripture where we could look at the ideal man, the, the man of noble character. Now we can find answers in scriptures, but usually it's one verse here, a couple verses there. And we have to kind of put them together to see what a godly man should look like. It's pretty much scattered throughout scripture. But fortunately today I found one chapter. It's much shorter than what we read in Proverbs. We didn't even read all of Proverbs 31. But I believe it does shed some light on how a man obtains his strength. It helps us see how a man becomes a man, becomes a better man, a genuine man. And again, just a quick review. Okay, please understand my premise this morning. A woman's virtue, the word virtue means strength in the Bible. A woman's virtue, a woman's strength is found in her individuality. Okay, her natural inclination is to be social, but her real strength is when she acts independently, when she acts individually. A man's strength or virtue is just the opposite. We're not, we're not into the social thing. We're not going to sit and talk for hours. But our strength is when we actively participate and interact with other men. That's when we become more like a man. And get this, Proverbs 31, 23, one verse in what we read, hinted to this. While the virtuous woman is accomplishing some truly great exploits all by herself. Verse 23, the only reference to her husband in this passage. Gives us a brief glimpse of him down at the city gates drinking Turkish coffee with the guys. Literally. I mean, he's down there at the gates at the local Starbucks outside Jerusalem. And don't think too lightly of this, okay? Again, this, this is important for manhood. We're, we, we're, it's not something we'd seek out. It's not something we'd literally have to be brought to that dog park at the city gates. And so don't think too lightly of this because by hanging out with the guys, the man is gaining virtue as a man. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing while she, she is doing what she is to be doing. And I, I, you know, I, let me share this single chapter I found. And it's, it's Psalm 133. And this may very well be about as close as we're going to get in Scripture to a Proverbs 31. Psalm 133 is probably the best man's chapter. Just a few verses. And I believe this because for a man to be healthy... Mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, physically, spiritually healthy, productive in every way, in the home, in his career. Personally, I believe that this is his virtue. That his strength comes from his fellowship with Christian brothers. 
Listen to Psalm 133 for a moment. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is. How good. How pleasant it is for brethren, brothers, to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil, meaning expensive precious oil, upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, the high priest, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded blessing, life forevermore. I believe that that's the man's chapter. And I want to review these three short verses, and they're just three verses. It's not going to take long. Verse 1, good and pleasant. These are God's words. He says, this is good. This is good. This is what men should be doing. Verse 2, it is anointed, we're told. There is a spiritual and a priestly power when men come together. The Aaronic priesthood is cited here. When men are in fellowship, this anointing can flow. Verse 3, he says it's refreshing, it's renewing, just as the snows from Mount Hermon flow down into the richest farmland in Israel, the Jezreel Valley. It's a symbol of fruitfulness and productivity. Now, I realize that, you know, in the workplace, this is probably where most men work together. Most of our workplaces are, are somewhat separated by gender, not all of them. But, you know, maybe you work in an office or, or a manufacturing situation, it's all men, and, and you think that's, that's not fellowship. You just happen to be working together on on one thing. And that still is a good thing. But it's not what this is describing. These three short verses describe fulfillment and blessing. For men who will engage in this. And yet most men forsake this instrument of personal strength. For some reason we resist it. And I I know some of the reasons why. And and at least the excuses why we don't get together as Christian men as often as we ought to. I mean, one is very simple. I'm too busy. I don't have time for men's fellowships. Another one could be I have to work. I can't can't take time off for that function. I've got to work. I just have to work. uh, Another one, blame the wife. The wife wants me home. There are things she wants me to do. If your wife knew it was a men's breakfast, she'd probably kick you out the door. Many men are insecure around other men. You saw that in the video. They remember the physical challenges on the schoolyard growing up, and now they're afraid of the the mental and spiritual and career challenges from other men because sometimes when men get together, they boast a little bit, and, you know, I'm doing better than you. And it's not meant that way, but it comes out that way. Some men have bought into the John Wayne mentality, but you've got to be older to know who John Wayne was, the Duke. Independence is an American value. Well, not everything American is biblical. Hello. And know this, when I look at Scripture, I see that every time a man in the Bible ascends to greatness, it is because he is surrounded by faithful men. He didn't do it on his own. You will rarely see a man who individually ascends or succeeds in Scripture. It's almost always being surrounded by other men. When Joshua was in battle against the Amalekites, who lifted him up in prayer? Moses. When Moses grew tired, who held up his arms to intercede in battle? It was Aaron and Hur. It took four men, at least four men, to lead the way to victory. Not just Moses, not just Joshua. And trying to stay alive in the Judean wilderness, David had to rely, he had to rely and trust on other men. 
One of them was a, was a very close friend by the name of Jonathan, the king's son. The very man who wanted him dead. His son helped him. He wouldn't have survived without Jonathan. And of course, there are David's mighty men of valor who are all mentioned in Scripture as well. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament had Timothy. He had Silas. He had Barnabas. In 2, chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he lists others who are also responsible for success in the ministry. And he states this in writing. He mentions Luke. He mentions John Mark, Tychicus, and many others. You see, contrary to popular culture, you do not make it to the top alone. And how easily we believe a myth. In America, we exalt individuality. And men are taught that in order to preserve your manhood, you need to be boxed in. You need to, be, you need to have boundaries around you. You need to be protected from others. You need to be a rock. You need to be an island. If anyone knows your weakness, if anyone knows the things you struggle with, it's going gonna, it's gonna to set you back. You'll never get that promotion. You'll never, you'll never ascend to something greater. And that is a lie. If a successful man does not keep himself surrounded by faithful men, what happens? He will eventually fall. He'll eventually fail. Why? Because men need men to succeed. Men need men to accomplish. And men need men for accountability. Probably one of the best ways to fair-proof your marriage and for a man to be a great man is to have a network of accountability. Guys that you, you can be open with, you can be honest with, you can share with. I'm telling you, a man, a man surrounded by his own family is not enough. It's not enough. Men need other Christian men. The man who is a loner is a loser. Even if he's a good family man. If he avoids other men, he, he may be trying to hide something or just trying to hide. And I've seen this more times than I've wanted to over the years. I want you to take a look at a, a graphic that our Royal Rangers have put out. It, it perfectly sums up what I've been saying. And in this instance, relates, relates it to boys becoming men. Not only do men need men, but boys need men. Boys and men need to be part of a community of men to become real men. And I remember some interesting statistics, and, and you, you know this, it's common sense. Geese flying in formation, how one of the stats mentioned that geese, by flying together and taking turns at leading and staying together, increase their efficiency by 70%. That's incredible. By swapping the leadership, working together, the efficiency was 70%. But in our culture, everyone seems to admire or wants to admire the individuality of the eagle. When really, the better way to fly is together as geese. Fellas, we really do need each other. And we will never be more of a man. We'll never, we will never reach our fullest potential as a man unless we make fellowship and relationship with other men a priority in our lives. For too long, the women have been the ones blessed by meetings and gatherings. And we need to make our own gatherings a priority. And I'm not just talking about men's breakfast or maybe some retreat somewhere or a banquet, a constru construction project. We just had a missions trip. Boy, you really do get close on those, don't you guys? You know those that went. The Royal Ranger Ministry. And, and, and not just being a spectator, but being actively involved. And I can only speak for myself, but 
You know, prior to coming here, I was the men's director for, New, for the New Jersey District of the Assemblies of God. And I would actively host two winter retreats and a spring convention. And after each one passed, I mean, there's a lot of work to put on. I had a team that helped me, but a lot of work, a lot of drain, a lot of giving. But after each one passed and the dust settled I, and I had time to process the whole event, I want to tell you something. My wife, my family, and my church all received back a better man. They benefited from my involvement. You see, the truth is that we do not always have to sit back and listen to be ministered to. We just as often can receive by serving others. And I'm talking to the men primarily. In fact, it's been said that two men never see more eye to eye when they're shoulder to shoulder working side by side. And I want to encourage you to get involved and stay involved in men's ministry on all levels. Men's ministry, we call it honor bound. It's more than just a Saturday morning breakfast. It's, it's Royal Rangers, it's ushering, it's working around the church. It's a ministry to others and widows maybe in our church that need some help fixing up their homes. Whatever we do as men, it is good and right for us to do it together. Amen. To be faithful as a man. And so I want to close with this. Guys, besides first seeking more of God in your life, I want to encourage you to seek out good fellowship with other men. And, and I know we feel tremendous guilt. Guys, if we were to sit at the city gates today and just drink coffee, maybe go to the cafe, do three or four cappuccinos or more and just enjoy each other, we would become more productive. We would feel stronger. We would pick up virtue. And, and it could include not just talking about God, not just talking about the Bible. It could be talking sports. It could be talking about all the kinds of things that we're interested in. But in the end, we would feel more like men. We would feel more like a man. Let's pray together. Lord, I sincerely pray that both hearts and minds grasp this concept this morning. Lord, that we would leave here, I, everyone, everyone, male and female, would leave here understanding that though women are more socially inclined, they do their best when they act as an individual. And the obverse is also true that although men shun social gatherings, that's when we're truly at our best. When we work together, when we commiserate, when we fellowship. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that everyone here in this room would hold on to this concept. They'd hold on to this idea so that we could become better women and better men. Lord, you've designed us very uniquely, different from one another. We have different needs. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. Lord, I pray, God, that you continue to speak to us on this issue. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. By the way, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be changing our format on Sunday mornings. And um, July 3rd, we're going to start um, handshaking, hugging, roaming around. Remember that? Remember the old days? <laughs> Glad somebody's excited.
Yeah, we're going we're gonna to go back to the future. Um, I'll try to find a good video to illustrate that. But, and also time at the altar. Okay, so a couple more weeks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here today. And Lord, I thank you, God, for what you have in store for your church in the days ahead. That we're not going to just go back to an old normal, but Lord, we're going to advance. Your word says that the kingdom of heaven is advancing and forceful men grab hold of it. And Lord God, I pray that we be forceful. Lord, I pray that you would go before us and that we would be willing to follow. And Lord, right now as we leave this place, Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to our dads, continue to speak to our men, continue to bless our young men. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd bless all of us as we leave. And I pray that you would be honored in all this. You're our heavenly father. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.